Welcome to the latest episode of the Gavel Podcast. I'm Adam. And I'm Christopher. The Gavel Podcast is the official podcast of Sigma Nu and is a show dedicated to keeping you updated on the operations of the Legion of Honor and connecting you to the stories from our brotherhood. Find out more from the fraternity. You can always check out our website at sigmanu.org. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at HQ or by uh, searching for Sigmanu Fraternity. Awesome. Christopher, hello. And listener, hello. welcome. Welcome hello, to hello. another another episode of the gavel podcast um what a year it's been so far uh really really neat stuff uh you're getting our uh, that three-part special series on the college of chapters i've got a couple of extra episodes um that that are have come out and you are planned like that's uh that's very exciting i think we've had a, a busy start to 2023 for us so um very cool People will likely be pretty confused uh, because (laughs) we started off the year with this will be our uh, fifth episode. Yeah. You know, only the second month in. In a Um, month, yeah. (laughs) But don't want to, you know, for regular regular listeners, don't want to, uh, uh, you know, convince you of a new schedule or a new, you know, trend of of episode releases. Uh, We'll be slowing down from here on out, kind of returning back to uh, the episode per month uh structure but those two uh, initial or those those two initial releases the series and then also the bonus episode uh consultant interview uh were were special in and of themselves uh so uh you know (laughs) we'll, we'll be slowing down our release plan for uh from here on out yeah, we've been spoiling you guys, all of our listeners, exactly. with our, our uh, wonderful extra content. But um, that being said, I, I, I mentioned it in the the uh, episode with uh, the interviews with the commanders. But I, you know that that episode got me excited to do some more of that field recording um, and you know add events and, and things like that and try to um, deliver more of that. So um, expect more of that in the future. Um, it's something I, I'm definitely going to try to uh, record more of. And Christopher, I will drag along with me uh uh if he protests but uh my conversations with christopher so far have been very positive on those so um yeah anyway um yeah welcome everyone um so today we uh we are going to be speaking with ryan hartwig um, on the topic of brotherly love, which I, I, I've been excited to do this interview for a while. And now that we've uh, you record, recorded the interview and now um, kind of doing the, the rest of the episode here, um, you're very happy with the, the interview and just the, the topic I feel like is uh, such a neat one because you we kind of talk about you know, mental health and, you, I guess, in a way, 
caring for your brothers or, you know, uh, looking after their mental health that way, but really kind of focusing in on like, what does it mean to have brotherly love for, for your, your friends and your brothers, right? Like that, like, what does that mean? And, and how do we show that? Why is that important? Um, you know, I think all of that that we discussed with Ryan in the interview is, is really neat. But, um, so I, I did want to to set up uh, you know for this this interview kind of just where where this is coming from and and where this interview idea started. Um, so my understanding, Christopher, is that there was an article that uh, that that uh, Sigma Nu had uh, um, I guess worked with Ryan on um, la- last year. Um, could you tell us more about kind of where we met Ryan and, and why he's writing an article for us and, and then how he came to be interviewed? Yeah. So, well, I will actually, uh, go one step, uh, step backwards and kind yeah. of give a little bit of context. So, uh, this episode is releasing on Valentine's day. So on Tuesday, February 14th, uh, Adam and I, as we kind of go through our, preseason plan, you know, and try to identify, you know, what topics do we want to cover, uh, who might, uh, we interview, uh, we, you know, start kind of with the calendar of like, Hey, what major events both, uh, within the fraternity as well as external to the fraternity are taking place? Uh, what themes are relevant for particular months? Uh, are there big holidays or, um, you know, times of year that are particular, particularly relevant to our audience. And so we were kind of joking around with like, could we do like a Valentine's day episode? Uh, and it kind of hit us as like, Hey, you know, Valentine's day love. Uh, while in this episode, we're not talking about uh, romantic love. We'll kind of get into that, you know, love for the organization or love as a, a, a principle, uh, one of our three kind of founding principles, love, honor, and truth. It's kind of this, like untouched uh, concept for the organization. Like we know it's there, um, but in terms of like the general fraternity or the or the national organization, we really don't spend much time or resources talking about this. I yeah. think in some ways, uh, truth as a as a principle or a value feels very self explanatory. Like we yeah. know what it, it means to be truthful or to tell the truth. We spend a lot of time on the honor principle. Um, and in some ways, that is probably our more important or like flagship value, uh, flagship principle. Um, but it's also, I think, the most amorphous. It's hard to kind of, uh, you know, wrap your hands around. You don't really know what it looks like necessarily. You just you understand it classically, but not con- uh, in a modern context, perhaps. Um, and so we spend a lot of time at College of Chapters and the Sigma Nu Institute and you know, we write a lot about honor and kind of how it applies to a fraternal context. But then you have this idea of love and you're like, what, what am I, I, I know about romantic love. You know, I know that I love my family. You know, I know that I, I love my friends, but like, what, what does that look like practically? Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we were thinking about that earlier in the, earlier in the academic year uh, around uh, national hazing prevention week, uh, we had reached out to Ryan Hartwig, who is uh, an initiate and an alumnus of our Mu Kappa chapter at uh, Southeast Missouri State University. Um, he is uh, currently the director of educational technology for Delta Zeta Sorority, uh, and that's Im- it was important context for us because it was an exciting opportunity for us to bring on someone to get to talk about 
what is it like to work for uh, a sorority, a national sorority? You know, with our perspective as fraternity staff members, uh, you know, for our own organization, um, you know, we kind of understand in concept or in theory what that experience might be like, but he's working with a completely different audience. He's working with an organ for an organization that is not his own. Uh, but yet there is this common ideal of wanting to advance the fraternity sororities, uh, you know, movement, uh, to further the mission or our collective missions, you know, of providing a meaningful, uh, you know, experience for, for collegiate members. Um, and so it was exciting to kind of have that perspective, but then yeah. of course, you know, he had approached his national hazing prevention week article, uh, from the perspective of brotherly love, uh, and kind of how that plays out in our pre hazing prevention efforts. Uh, and so it really felt like it was a great opportunity for us to, you know, invite someone on who's kind of been playing around with this idea of what does love look like in a in practical terms within a fraternity context. Uh, mm -hmm. And so I think it uh, results in a really great conversation that I'm excited for everyone to get to hear. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the article, uh, you know, in reference here is, is uh, you know, will be posted in our show notes. So um, you definitely, uh, you know, if you're interested uh, in the, the context here, uh, go ahead and read that, that article, uh, you know, fairly short, just a you know, page and a half or so. Um, you know, article and, and uh, really kind of set up that back uh, context behind this. But, um, you know, even if you don't uh, get the chance to read the article, maybe you're driving or something like that, um, you know, definitely f feel free to just listen to the interview first. Um, you know, you, you don't have to have seen the first movie to understand the second one uh, is what I'm saying. So, um, yeah, let's dive into our, our um, interview with Ryan Hartwig um, and we will catch you guys on the back end. Brothers in Sigma Nu Hello, everyone. Welcome to our interview. Today, we have a, a wonderful guest on, Ryan Hartwig. Glad to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, awesome. Glad you're here. Um, so, so Christopher, give us a little bit of background on, on um, you know, where we uh, kind of pulled this this interview together from. So, I believe Ryan wrote uh, a piece uh, that 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 uh, that we were kind of focusing on here. Yeah, so uh, kind of a, a very, very, very loose connection here to uh, you know February uh, Valentine's Day, of course, coming up uh, here shortly, and so um, we <laughs> were kind of thinking like, hey, what could be a cool podcast topic? Valentine's Day, love, fraternal value of love, important to Sigma Nu. Obviously, we're not really talking about romantic love, and that's not the intention there behind uh, the fraternal value. Uh, but uh, back in September during National Hazing Prevention Week, uh, we had uh, tapped Ryan to write an article uh, about uh, kind of hazing prevention and, and his perspective or the angle that he took on the article was about the value of love and, and how uh, we can do a better job of instilling uh, that particular value within our chapter culture. And so we thought that would be a really great tie-in. Uh, and too, I just think Ryan has a really cool story to tell. Um you know, you have a very unique story to tell, as we'll get into in just a moment uh, with your uh, career experience. Uh, and so we thought it would be a really cool opportunity to, to have you on. 
Um, Ryan currently serves as the Director of Educational Technology for Delta Zeta Sorority. Uh, we'll let him talk more about that here in a moment. But uh, Ryan, really excited to, to have you on. Yeah, thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. So one thing we, we like to do when we start off uh, our interviews, uh, especially with our, your, our Sigma Nu brothers, is to you know, give you the opportunity to tell your Sigma Nu story. Um, so really, let, uh, I'd love to open it up to you and, and hear your story. Uh, so, you know, why you chose to join Sigma Nu, some of your, your biggest takeaways from the undergrad experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, i you know, just a little bit of background. I'm originally from St. Louis, Missouri, um, you know, and I decided to go to Southeast Missouri State University, Mu Kappa. Um, and when I first went to SEMO, it was really, really hard, um, especially my first semester. I was really kind of getting into understanding who I was as a person, um, you know, just different facets of my identity, like what I valued in myself and what I valued in relationships and friendships and things like that. And I did not, academically, I did well, but just personally, I did not do well. So I decided um, to go home for a semester. But right before I go home, I went home, I'm like, no, I'm going to come back here and I'm going to make something of myself and I'm going to join the Greek system. Because I had a lot of friends mm. that were in um, Gamma Phi Beta uh, at the time. And all they had to do was have wonderful things to say about, you know, fraternity life and and some of the good chapters that were on campus. And one of them that was always kind of there was Sigma Nu. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't really know anything about it um, at the time, uh, but, you know, I I went back to the University of Missouri for St. Louis, um, thought I was going to stay there, but then I was like, no, I really want like a a solid college experience, a, a, a good, a strong Greek system, you know, and a sense of community and, and kind of prove to um, this institution that I can make it here and then I can go here. So um, I did a lot of research into Sigma Nu um, because that's where my Gamma Phi Beta friends said that I would be a good fit. And I didn't know anybody in the fraternity. I, I did know one gentleman who um, actually is one of my best friends now. He gave me a ride <laughs> one day with his girlfriend. <laughs> um, his name was Todd. And um, yeah, I... The things that stood out to me the most, and this is kind of sound kind of stupid, is but like when I went where I went to high school, it was black. Our colors were black and gold, and our mascot mm. was, was the knights. And so, oh, okay, yeah. And so, um, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, this is this is meant for me, like you know, because I had such a great high school experience. My college experience was was not taking off the way that I wanted to. I'm like, no, this is this is where I'm meant to be. Um, and when I first started going to to recruitment events, it was in the fall of '09, and I had met some really great um, great people. Um, and you know, when it was around time for bid day, like right before bid day, I got a call um, from one of my friends, Todd, um, who said, you know. Um, like he had me go over to his house. He's like, I'm sorry. Like, you know, we can't give you a bit at this time. Um, there are a couple of guys that didn't necessarily know how to take me, um, and, and didn't, you know, really understand who I was. And so that was, um, pretty devastating to me, but, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I talked to my mom about it and she said, 
you just need to show them who you are. Like, you know, outside of your your own personal stories, like what it is that you value, who you are as a person. And so I decided to stick around and um, just get to meet everybody. And I met um, another one of my good friends, Nathan, who was a Canada at the time, who was, you know, along with a few other guys, were going to ready to advocate for me when it came down to the bid process again. Um, and so I went through in the spring and, um, again, and I, uh, you know, I was in a, I, I did my best. I was in my, a, a Taco Bell line when I got a text saying, congratulations, don't tell anybody, but you're joining. And nice. I, I mean, it, it took off from there. Um, uh, I, it, it con- reconnected me with a high school buddy of mine that I played volleyball oh, cool. with and he was a candidate brother of mine, Mike. And, um, you know, I, I really got fully invested in this experience because I'm like, this is going to, this is going to make my college experience what it, what it was always meant to be. And, and it did, um, you know, uh, you know, you talk about brotherly love, like those three guys that I just named off were, um, I talked highly about them in my, my wedding vows. I, I have, shared a lot of the best experiences of my life with them personally. And, you know, being in Sigma Nu kind of started off my trajectory, not only being invested in the fraternity, but being invested in the fraternity system, in the sorority. I was um, in the sorority system. I was a IFC president, which was kind of cool. And I was, I was recorder um, too. At the time I was an intern for the Greek office. Um, and so I just really went all in. Um, but my favorite position was always t-shirt chair. I was t-shirt chair for yeah. years. <laughs> and, That's great. And so, um, yeah, I made some of my best friends, built a lot of really great relationships with people. And, you know, it got me into going into higher education. I think that the thing that I learned from that experience, um, and, you know, my story is that like, I guess, you know, sometimes people have perceived notions of you and mm-hmm. they don't necessarily how to take you. But then once you, you know, take the time to actually get to know someone and to build relationships with them and connections with them and develop friendships with them, like they truly can become some of the best people in your life. Um, and And that is what happened with me because I've never dealt with any type of adversity like that, you know, in my entire life. And so this being such a big challenge for me, it actually getting a bid, even getting a bid, you know, it made me fully invested in in what it is that I, I you know, wanted to do. And so that same mindset has kind of stuck with me throughout my life of like, everything that I put to my mind to put in a hundred percent, even if you think that it's going to be, even if you end up disappointed, you know, if it's something that you really want, you just got to go after it. You got to prove yourself and you got to take it. Um, and that's what Sigma Nu did for me. So, yeah. That's, that's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. I, uh, and I, I like hearing stories that aren't, you know, perfect. You, you know what I mean? Like, like if you had got, gotten a bid right away and, and, you know, everything was magical. Like, uh, do you feel like it, like it wouldn't have been the, like the value of it wouldn't have been the same or did, did, did it like reaffirm for you that like, like, yes, like, you know, this is, 
what I wanted to do and what I was meant to do kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I will say that I do agree that the value of it, um, wouldn't have been the same, um, you know, because I had to care about this organization and what it is that it had to offer its values. It's, you know, it's what it, it stood for prior to even joining, right? Like yeah. I had to care and had to be invested and had to get these people on my side to show how important it is to me so that by the time that I did join, I can never let it go, you know? And yeah. when I saw people, whether it was in my chapter or the other chapters that I work for, take it for granted. It really kind of, um, it didn't leave a bad taste in my mouth. It was just, you know, it was just really disappointing. And obviously as I've grown up and, and working for a sorority, like I start to understand more of the dynamics about that. But for me personally, it's like, I could never give up something as, as wonderful as this organization and the fraternity brothers that I met. I don't know how anybody else could because other people just got to walk in, you know? And yeah. so I, I think that there is some value to sticking it out and to, um, I don't know, I guess really finding something that you're invested in and going for it, even if it doesn't work out. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. So yeah, really neat story. I, I, I like that. I, I, I do want to call back to the fact that, that you, already had all these ready-made sweatshirts, t-shirts, gear ready to go that, that you could just wear right on into, uh, to Sigma Nu then. Right. Like, yeah, my mom was a, and... my mom was a seamstress or my mom is a seamstress. So, um, it was a, a gift to some of my friends. I had her, um, put their, you know, initiation number and Sigma Nu on these, these shirts as like a thank you. Even if I don't get a bid, thank you for, for everything you've done. And so even before recruitment <laughs> started, like the current president at times, like, Hey, can we, can we get one of those? I'm like, well, are you going to give me a bid? Maybe. <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah, it was really, really great. Yeah, I, I've got assets, man. This is uh, there, there, there's things tied this to what me I bring that to you the guys table. want. Yeah. This is what I'm bringing to the table. I, I love that. That's very cool. Yeah. Um. So Ryan, so your, uh, you know, you mentioned this actually in your, your, uh, you know, your story that, you know, your undergraduate experience kind of became uh, impactful in kind of appreciating the fraternity and sorority experience in general, you know, which led to, I assume, uh, the career that you have uh, maintained for the past couple of years. Uh, so you now work for, for Delta Zeta Sorority. Uh, that is a very unique experience, uh, but not, uh, not uh, solely unique. We do have at least one other brother, uh, Adam Bantz, uh, who is an initiative of our Epsilon U chapter at Butler, who works for Kappa Theta, Kappa Alpha Theta, sorry. Um, but, you know, looking at your experience as the director of educational technology, one, like how how did you get there? Like what was your journey to to getting to Delta Zeta? And then um, can you talk a little bit more about what you do for Delta Zeta? Sure. Um, so, you know, right after college, I got my master's at the University of Missouri in higher education, student affairs, leadership. I really wanted to be a Greek advisor like couldn't let it go. Um, you know, couldn't just go and work at like a, I don't know, a different type of job. Like this was too, too much for me. And um, so I, um, I didn't directly work in fraternity and sorority life until I got out of grad school. Um, I worked at 
Stetson University um, in Deland, Florida. I think that's the Delta Mu chapter, right? That's there. They are. They are. Yeah, yeah. I met a lot of really, <laughs> really great guys there that were in the fraternity. So, um, but yeah, I was the uh, IFC and you know sorority and NPHC um, and NPC and NPHC advisor um, at the time, and we had. It was about a year into working for um, Stetson that one, just like being an IFC president, working with men is very challenging. I don't know how you do it. I am impressed by it. I can't relate to it. Um, and so I, uh, you know, I, I really enjoyed the experience I had working with, um, you know, the the IFC uh, men that we had on campus and. And I really enjoy them as people, but I'm like, the conversations that we're having are not, not where I need them to be. I don't know if I'm the next person, the best person, but you know, the sorority women, I, I, I really got, I, I just connected with, I clicked with, and we had an extension opportunity at the time. So we had different sororities, um, coming on to um, coming on to Stetson's campus to learn more about it, which is where I met my um boss at the time or my my what would be my future boss mandy evans um who had worked with delta zeta for a long time um and she was teaching me more about the the organization and i had friends moms that were delta zetas like you know delta zeta is big in the state of missouri but it wasn't at southeast missouri state so i didn't really know um, too much about them. And she was talking about like, kind of like what Delta Zeta does, their, their commitment to philanthropy, um, specifically in speech and hearing, which is something that really resonated with me because I actually grew up with hearing loss and wearing hearing aids and stuff like that, but also their commitment to, um, community service, how they, um, you know, kind of, rolled out on other campuses and it really it, i was really really impressed by um everything that they that they had to offer and so um when it came down down to looking at the different extension materials and stuff like that obviously as a fraternity and sorority life advisor you don't have a stake in who comes on campus it's all the alumni and the and the students and so um they picked three or other organizations and i was really like Oh gosh, I'm probably going to get in trouble, but I was really bummed out about it because um, yeah. I really enjoyed them. So I reached out to um, you know my my former boss Mandy and said, "I really love you know what it is that you had to offer. I wish that I um, you know could have could have connected with you all, but you know if there's any other opportunities, here's some of my previous work experience. If you want to know like about these schools, let me know." And Southeast Missouri State came up as a school that Delta Zeta was looking to extend to. So I, I was able to build that connection. And cool. um, about like around a year into um, working for Stetson, my dad had passed away and I was all the way in Florida. You know, my family was all the way in Missouri and I really wanted to work at a headquarters working at a, a campus is not for the faint of heart um i mm -hmm. thank all of our you know fraternity and sorority life professionals that do it but i just needed to find a way to get home and so another one of my friends that works at delta zeta um said hey do you want to apply for this job and i did i decked myself out in pink and green i put my hearing aids on i said i'm gonna get this and they 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 gave me an interview so when i first started with delta zeta i was a director of chapter services 
and I traveled through the West Coast um, in the Midwest, supporting all of our local college chapters through all of their operations and making sure that things were going smoothly. Um, and then as you know, my tenure with Delta Zeta is stuck. It was like, I've been there for like six years now. Um, you know, there were opportunities for me to grow because I was so invested, not just in the work that I was doing, but the organization itself. Um, you know, I've, I really have loved all of the staff that I've worked with, the volunteers. I've had three incredible bosses um, that have taught me a lot about myself personally and professionally. Our executive director, Cindy, is absolutely incredible. And I said, I want to stick around here. Um, and so they found me a job in educational technology, which was great because it meant that I didn't have to travel so much, but I also can get into the nerd side of my brain. So what I do is basically um, focus on our learning management system, um, you know, collecting and compiling all of our chapter data for our national council, um, support our um, support all of our conference planning, as well as like convention, which is coming up for Delta Zeta, and kind of making sure that everything is staying on track with our resources and figuring out like what additional resources we need and how can we, you know, extend our education to the masses, not just the general member, but, you know, the alumni and the volunteers about Delta Zeta, what Delta Zeta has to offer. And so that has been kind of the focus on my work. I've actually been preparing for this job for about a year, but I've been fully in the position for six months. And so there has been, um, a lot of learning curves about learning about um, member databases, I will say, but it's also been really rewarding because it's able to use a different side of my brain to continue to like teach people about how to do their jobs, the responsibilities, you know, what's expected of them, but also being able to tell a story about what it is that the organization's going through, through, all of a chapter's data, right? Whether it's their recruitment, RFM data, their, you know, just general membership numbers or philanthropy dollars, all of that stuff. And so um, even though I would like to say I'm a very creative person and my job doesn't sound very creative, but it actually can be um, because it's just how you interpret it. So that, yeah, that's currently what I do for Delta Zeta. And it's been um, a real fun journey. We have a a virtual conference this weekend. So I'm, we're gearing up for that, um, which I'm, I'm really excited about. So, yeah. Yeah. We have the, the Sigma Nu Institute, uh, this weekend as well, which we, we now do virtually. Although, um, when you were in school, it would have been in person. That was kind of a COVID shift, but we're trying to figure out what that looks like going forward. If it will remain, uh, virtual or, or go back to in person, yeah. but, yeah. um, it is so funny to hear you talk about uh, your experience. I will say, like, from my undergraduate experience, um, Delta Zeta was one of the most desirable sororities. They were, you know, the one that everybody wanted to, to be a part of. And so they had no issues with their recruitment rounds. Um, and so there's, like, this, like, um, like exclusive, like... <laughs> Uh, just idea that I have like ingrained in my mind, not exclusive. That was the wrong word. I like this, like um, special, Prestigious, like yeah. premiere, uh, like engraved into my mind with Delta Zeta. So I'm like, Oh, I'm talking to someone who's so important. What, camp, what school <laughs> did is, you go to? NC state. 
Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I never got the chance to work with them, but yeah, I, I I've heard very good things about that that chapter. So cool. Yeah. So it's just so funny. But then of course you get to our level, and it's like, oh, you know, we all know each other. We're all friends. There's like such this like flattening of responsibility, especially because we all more or less do the same things. Like I'm hearing you talk about your experience. I'm like, oh yeah, like. Yeah. Like when I was the uh, director of chapter services, like there were elements of what you do um, or, you know, what you did in that role that, you know, I was doing or, you know, hearing you talk about your kind of virtual experiences, like that's the stuff that we're having to to work on as well. So it's cool hearing kind of the similarities, even if the organization is different. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it's, I was the, um, I was one of the first of, Three that that started their their transition from doing like the traditional educational leadership consultant model to having three directors of chapter services that oversaw like fifty something chapters because um, what they were finding is that the the information wasn't being retained and passed um, from what the mm-hmm. consultants were saying and so you know there are still things that um, I've been. Like I will go to like we had Presence Academy two weeks ago that was in person. I would be able to go up to some of those CCDs, which is our college chapter directors, our primary advisors, and um, you know, and like I still know a lot of them, which is really really crazy. Yeah. Like I worked with for the four years I work with about ninety something chapters, anywhere from three months to three to four years, and so it's crazy how much information you retain from that. <laughs> um, but but yeah yeah that's it's 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 fun being at this level because you get to see a totally different side of it that you think about your like what you were like in college and you're like oh man like <laughs> if i would have known then what i know now i would have been such a better leader i would have been such a better fraternity man i would have been way more of a role follower like all that good stuff um so that's like and then when you try to tell them no listen to me please trust me they're like yeah 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 and then they'll look back in like five years and be like oh yep. gosh i really should have listened to him you know uh-huh. that's where i'm at so yeah that's that's the nature of it right and it, that that kind of uh, i appreciate that because that kind of ties into the, the segue i wanted to make that's like you know, the I'm struck with your your story so far. Like the, it really shines through like kind of the mission of Greek organizations, and you know, I've I've always been fascinated with kind of the um, collective nature that of the organization that we have, like aimed towards one goal, right? Um, and and learning about about that goal, especially you mentioned that the President's Academy, we, we, we just had ours as well, you know, college chapters in January. And um, it is really neat to see, you know, all of these young men come in and, you know, they have all of this energy to, to be leaders and, and you know, they are looking for ways to temper that and, and leave college or chapters with all of this excitement about like, Oh, well now I know how to do those things. Right. And then they're going to go back on their campuses and they're going to try to do these things, try to accomplish the, the mission that we have. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, from there, it, you know, it's really neat hearing you um, talk about you, your um, kind of connection to Delta Zeta and then you know, going in and, and working for headquarters. Like it, it is, 
you found that mission that resonates with you and now you, you are able to lend your strength and the things that you've learned to that mission. Right. Um, and, and at the same time, you know, you are still promoting the mission of Sigma Nu as well, even though you, you're not on staff with us, but you know, that, that mission persists regardless. And like that to me is always really fascinating. Like, you know, we have, uh, alumni who are able to to donate, uh, you, you know, some of their their treasure or uh, you know, the the things that they that they have uh, access to, um, and donate that way. And then you, we also have, um, and so some of these crossover, obviously, but alumni and and actives that you know, donate through their their efforts, right? And and they're putting forth work to accomplish you know, the missions that that we all have together. Um, and I just think that's that's so neat, like. That is, um, I think, something that is unique to Greek organizations is how, um, like, how a member can join seeking, you know, friendship, companionship, and and socialization, and and um, you know, through the things that they learn there, that changes into okay, now I like I am dedicated to the mission that this organization promotes, and in learning about it. Um, you know, I'm able to direct my efforts towards that direction. And, and I think you have such a cool angle on it too, because you had that semester where you tried and, and were not given a bid, you had to double down. And like, you know, I, I know, I know a lot of people and I know myself too. Like if I, if I had been you know denied a bid, that might've been a signal to me to like, Oh, well, I, I don't need these guys or, you know, I, I'm going to go join somewhere else or something like that. But like the fact that you doubled down, you're like, okay, but like, I, I believe in this stuff like that. And then to be accepted then, or to be offered a bid, then it's like a confirmation of like, yes, like this is what I believe. And now I'm given the opportunity to put forth some work to actually help achieve those, those things. So that's, that's a, uh, I don't know. I, I, I love that. I think that's really cool. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, the one thing that I've learned specifically in working for Delta Zeta and working for a Greek organization is that not everybody is going to be coming at the same level. Not everybody's going to be having the same investment and not everybody's going to be, you know, I, I mean, everybody's different, right? Everybody's looking for something different from this experience. So how can we make it, especially as an executive board member? And I, you know, tell this to my executive board officers all the time. So if any exec guys are listening, um, when you're an executive board and you're in a leadership position, like this isn't about you get your leadership skills. You get your leadership skills by not making it about yourself and by making it about yeah. the general member that's paying the money to get something out of this experience, whatever that might be, whether it's social, whether it's leadership, whether it's friendship, whether it's connections. And so, you know, I, I think that it's what's really important for me now is how does this relate back to the real world and the real world experiences they're going to have outside of college? How are, how can we be realistic about what it is that you're getting into by being in a, in a fraternity or a sorority for the next you know, anywhere from two to four years or one to four years. And like, what is it ultimately going to do to you and do for you? And how can you continue to invest yourself in the fraternity and sorority experience past college? Because I think you and you and I both know that especially the way that, you know, NIC and NPC fraternities and sororities recruit is that, you know, we get these people in there and then a lot of them like, 
you know, dry out and they, they're like, oh, four years, I'm done. Like, you know, on to the next thing. This was a great time, but now to do something else. And so I think that is the, the continued battle for me is figuring out like, how do we continue to con- like continue engagement, you know, and continue connections and continue to find value in what it is that our Greek system has to offer outside of the four years of college. And sometimes, and if it's just, you know, you have your, four best guy friends and you all see each other every now and again and have Christmas parties and, you know, hang out with their kids. Like, you know, is that enough? I don't know. But, um, you know, that's something that's always been kind of in my, in the back of my head, I guess. So, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So, so Ryan, um, so in late September, you contributed to uh, the fraternity's national hazing prevention week article. Um, titled The Life of Love. Uh, can you talk more about why you believe the fraternity's value of love is so important? Because I think that if without love, you can't have, in my mind, you know, and there's a lot of, um, was it a lot of honor first statements? Mm-hmm. I actually am like always been challenged by that because without love, you can't, you know, have honor or you can't, you know, have truth, right? Like you yeah. have to, invest um, in the people that are part of this organization and you have to give them, you know, some resemblance or love or respect in order for you to have honor and truth, you know, like it has to start from that key component. Um, Because if you, and especially like thinking about it from the fraternity perspective of and in the context of hazing, but just in the context of how we treat one another, um, is is super super important. And you know, when you are a eighteen to twenty year old guy, you know, a lot of a lot of our young men, I would say, don't necessarily probably haven't developed a lot of the qualities that need to like to figure out what it is to give love, um, whether that's brotherly love or, you know, love towards a significant other or just love and respect towards your, your general person. Um, you know, I, I think that that's, what's really important and that's what we need to be kind of focusing on with these students, especially as we, you know, our society has become a little bit more, divided in the way that we do things and our, our different perspectives. And um, especially when it comes to young men, like the perceived notion of what it is to be a man, to, to not, you know, to, to hide your feelings, to, to, you know, avert yourself from being respectful to others because that's not what men do um, is, is really challenging right and and it doesn't necessarily bring out the best in what our men have to offer and so just from my undergraduate experience i learned a lot that you know are actually our men do have a lot of off, lot to offer and being a member of mu kappa i saw a lot of brotherly love there you know so my perceived notion of what it is to be in a fraternity was totally removed from my own college experience and then to learn that not others have that um, is really disheartening, you know, cause there's probably a lot of Sigma new chapters that don't have that. So, yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, the word toxic masculinity gets thrown around and I think a lot of people shut down whenever they hear that. Um, but it is true that like 
I think that fraternity provides a really interesting experience of encountering that to a certain extent, uh, but then also to deconstruct it as well. Mm-hmm. I I can distinctly remember, you know, my um, during my collegiate experience encountering fellow brothers who, to me, were like radical in the way that they expressed love to to me and to you know to other fraternity brothers like. I grew up with a father who loved me dearly, but was not uh, you know, not big on words of affirmation, not big on physical touch, you know, hugs, all that kind of stuff. You know, think about the five love language. But like for him, like service is definitely acts of service is definitely like how he demonstrates love to the rest of our family. Like he'll give you the shirt off his back, he'll do anything for you. Um, but then I would encounter brothers who were like huggers. You know, and I would hear like family members come over to the chapter house and like, you know, it was it was more explicit and in your face. Or just I had brothers who like would tell me like they loved me and like, um, you know, that they cared about me. And especially if I was expressing something vulnerable or a frustration or during moments of depression and like, you know, these really critical moments where I needed to hear that I had close friends who cared about me. Um, and like that completely changed my worldview and like that changed like how I engage with others. And it was so transformational. And so I do, you know, I, I hope that to those who hear the word toxic masculinity and hear about spaces of toxic masculinity and like how that can be problematic. I think fraternity is a really great example of like, sometimes like you just have to be in space and you have to witness healthy masculinity, uh, in order to see like how beneficial and productive and useful it can be um, to broaden your perspective on how love can be expressed, um, how, um, you know, important, healthy friendships are. Um, And so I absolutely agree with you. I I think you're, you're, when I read that article, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so important. I'm really glad that you expressed that point. And I don't, and I think that just from, you know, my perspective and and sharing your experience is that like we don't talk about love enough you know we talk mm-hmm. about we talk about and i mean i have not let read lead phase one in a while um <laughs> or two or three <laughs> or four um but we haven't um well we don't talk about how people give love and how people you know like to receive love and how people and what love means you know, outside of the context of, you know, I guess romantic relationships or, you know, like your, your relationships with your parents or your siblings, right? Like how can a bunch of men who come into a space hoping to seek friends, learn how to respect one another and how to engage with one another and how to build relationships with one another. If we don't talk about what it is that are our needs, because we've been told not to, Mm -hmm. you know, and toxic masculinity, I don't necessarily like, I hate that language because it doesn't necessarily like, yeah, yes, it's, it's ultimately what it is, but um, it, as soon as men hear that they shut down, you know, like, so how can we frame the conversation not to be like, you're the problem because you're a man, but like, how can we deconstruct some of the things that maybe they have perceived to be as normal growing up so that they can learn to be in spaces where they can 
connect and show respect. And it's not something that needs to be earned. It's something that's automatically given. Right. Um, so yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, it is, um, it, it's something that is kind of foreign to, you know, that 18, 19 year old mindset, right. Is like, I feel like a lot of, and I'm thinking about maybe I'm, I'm coloring it with my personal experience, but coming into college and coming out of, out of high school, um, you know, I had built a kind of a shell around myself of like, I need to present as being you know strong and control, you know, all of these things. And, you know, the, the way that society presents how you do that to a young man is through, you know, violence, whether that's, that's, you know, words or, or actions, um, and, and hostility. Right. And, and I think too, you know, we totally talk about toxic masculinity and, and I, like you said, you people shut down or young men will shut down when they, when they hear that because you know, it brings to mind, um, you know, Oh, I, toxic masculinity is catcalling or, um, you know, all, all of the, the, these other things that are you know, from the individual out, but really like, I think, part of the the most damaging part of, of that that culture of toxic masculinity is the the damage to self right the the um, not allowing of oneself to you know be vulnerable to trust you know a, a other young men around you and you know I, I, having worked with our our active chapters like i'm very much struck by um, visiting a chapter, being able to feel like the true sense of brotherly love and the opportunity for brothers to be vulnerable around one another and to trust one another. And, and, and so you talk about, you know, uh, we can't have honor or truth without love first. Right. Um, we, 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 uh, we have a, a workshop that we do with some of our, our chapters that's, uh, called, you know, the, um, to walk in the way of honor. Right. Um, and it talks about kind of a you know, close group dynamic and um, respect earned uh, you know, within that group uh, translates to honor. Like honor is the kind of the code that, that binds us. But like if you don't care for or, or feel love towards that, that group, why would you care whether or not they respect you or whether or not, um, you know, that you have esteem within that group? Um, yeah. Like I, I really agree with you. It really does. Come, it really does come down to, um, yeah. Like you have to have and receive you know, love from your brothers in order for, for that to even exist. Yeah. And not in the way that they probably perceive love you know, like, like the definition of love, right? Because I don't need to, like, love can be defined in so many ways. And I don't need to, like, meet a fraternity brother after five seconds and be like, Oh, I have to love you. Like, that's not how it works. And and ultimately, there were people in my chapter that I could not stand. (laughs) Right? Like, you're with 80 something guys, like, I'm like, Oh, my gosh. But, you know, some of those, some of those men, I have learned to love and respect and are, are in my life still because Sigma Nu taught me to invest in them and to invest yes. in who they are and to share my perspective and to listen to their perspective. And, you know, even though I'm thinking of one on the top of my head, I love them to death, but man, when I was in college, I just wasn't, he drove me nuts, you know? And yep. like, that's what the paternity experience is for is to, to, to continue to stay invested, not only in the organization, but the people that you, you know, ultimately said yes to. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
you know, and especially when you think of the concept of hazing or, or, or having to use like substances to, to earn that respect or, or to be able to express those feelings. Like that's the part that concerns me about the fraternity culture is that like, that's not what this is about, right? Our founders didn't want it to be about that. So it is not our responsibility to, because of what other campus communities doing or whatever, you know, some of our alumni might've experienced back in the day, like that's, that's not what this is for. And so if those type, that's why one of my article, I was like, it's going to be hard. It's going to take a lot of work, but if you see your chapter going down this path, you know, it is time for you to start thinking differently about how you show love and respect for one another, because especially in the climate around fraternities and sororities, it's, it, it could ultimately not be there if you're not taking care of one another, because this is the, that that's the whole purpose of the space, you know? So, yeah, I find that, um, love to me, you know, in, including the definitions that you've provided, I think to me, it, it feels like it's the hardest to master of the three values mm-hmm. and probably because it's the most social of the three values that it, it's, it's interpersonal by nature. Yeah. Um, and so that requires a great deal of EQ you know, you're just your ability to understand and relate to others, like a high level of empathy, um, you know, your ability to kind of put yourself in their shoes, um, to understand like what they need from you in any given moment and what you may need from them in any given moment. Um, you know, and so I think for, you know, our, our members, because it's the most difficult to master, it's probably where we need to put our most effort. Um, and, you know, so many fundamental building blocks, you know, kind of have love as a foundation. Like we talked about, you know, the honor principle, you know, kind of love needing to exist within a space for people to honor and respect one another. Um, during our staff uh, retreats, we have a core covenant. It's kind of like a guiding document uh, for, you know, our staff operations and kind of our, our, uh, organizational culture. Um, and during our retreats, we talk about how, um, for us to build trust with one another, like there has to be vulnerability. Well, vulnerability kind of is an act of love, um, you know, and kind of the hope that you're also going to, uh, receive that in, in return. Um, so I just, I see it in all these small spaces, but it's, it's as a value, it's so malleable, uh, and how it can take different forms and how it can, um, uh, be utilized and, and how it's needed. Um, so yeah, so I mean, I definitely don't think that this is, this is easy stuff, but I just think that a chapter that loves well with members who love each other well, you know, to your point, probably see a a lot fewer issues with trust, with accountability, with, um, you know, treating others with, with dignity, um, yeah, I mean, with, you know, treating non-members with dignity as well. You know, I, I think that that's so important. Right. And, you know, I can't speak for the Mu Kappa of today. I mean, it looks like they're doing great. They're winning awards, they're rock, and I see like all this stuff. But, you know, from the, the Mu Kappa of yesteryear, I guess, like that is just, you know, we talked a lot about honor and we had a lot of long, long chapter meetings where we talked about we were very vulnerable with one another to the point where it almost felt painful. But the reality of it is, is that it's because those men were invested 
in them, like in the organization, in themselves that, you know, sometimes I think about those conversations we had and we would say, you know, that's not honor. And I'm like, you know, that actually might have, that actually, what you're trying to say is that might actually not have meant, would have been love. You know, that's not love towards me. That's not, you know, respect towards me. And I think that that is, you know, one thing that I've always loved about Sigma News values is that like, it's just, they all are kind of full circle. You can't have one without mm-hmm. the other. You have to have them all together, right? And so if we see, like, it's it's easy for you maybe as like an organization staff to say, okay, if we are seeing like a missing value from this organ, like from this specific collegiate chapter, how can we work with them to get them back on track? You know, when you are fully encompassed and invested in all three values and and you're right, like, the one that is love, maybe not be, is the hardest one to focus on. So yeah. uh, a, a two-legged stool is not worth much. Correct. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, so Ryan, to, to kind of wrap up our, our conversation on this, I, I would love to ask you um, your thoughts on, on, on this. So for our active members that are listening and maybe alumni that are closely affiliated with the chapter, Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you're working with them in person on, on a regular basis. How, how can our brothers embody this value in their, their lives and leadership? Like, like if I'm a new member, like how do I show love for my brothers in a way that's going to be productive uh, for this and help increase that trust and honor? Um, people first, process second. Um, that is something mm. that we've been learning a lot in, and I don't mean to scare you all for your chapter operations, but, um, you know, that is something that we've been learning a lot. And I've been learning a lot specifically in, um, in Delta Zeta, because we've been doing some really great work specifically around like our member accountability and standards process and not everything being conform to uniform box. Um, you know, the best thing that you could do for your brother is to is to lend a helping hand, right? Even mm-hmm. if you are an executive board member, is to how to figure out how to utilize your your local your local bylaws, your local processes, your national processes to support the member. Because without the member, we don't have the experience. Like we don't have this, right? So yeah. um, you know, that would be something that I would really, really focus on. Like, even if it, and, and I mean process, not just, you know, your your bylaws or, or the law. I mean, like, even some of the history and traditions. If it's not putting the people first, then it's probably something that you need to reevaluate, right? If it's not focusing yeah. on the safety and the, the health and the, the betterment of the member, it's not you know, doing what it needs to do. And if you're not taking the time to pay attention to what it is that your brothers are going through and asking like, what is going on? I am here for you. How can I help you? Then you are, you need to think about how you're doing your job, you know, because again, as an executive board member, as an advisor, as a volunteer, like you are of service to the general membership, right? Like what you get out of it as an executive board member is totally different than what the general member is getting. Cause it's not, not every general member wants to be an executive board position. Not every general member wants to be in leadership. So your leadership is important and critical to how not only the chapter perceives you, but the overall health and investment of the chapter. And it's always, it's all about them, you know? And then when you become a general member, it'll be about you again, but it's all about them and how they're perceiving their fraternity experience. So if you are not focusing on the person first over the process, um, you know, you are, you are missing a very critical part of the, um, 
fraternity experience. And, you know, just for my fellow alum, <laughs> alumni brothers, there are some things that we just got to let go of. You know, we are, I may be 33, but I am old and I do not understand college students the way that I used to. And, you know, I don't know if you all can relate, but back in my day doesn't necessarily resonate with the day of the day to day of this student what didn't work for you might work for them. So as long as they are doing it for the betterment of the chapter and the betterment of the the people that are continu- that are in the college experience, like that's for them. And your job is to protect them and make sure that they're they're safe and they're being responsible. But I I challenge our volunteers, I challenge the people that are invested in the fraternity to stop looking back at specifically those local traditions and those things that aren't necessarily important to the fraternity to start looking at like, how can this generation continue to find love in this organization? You know, especially because, you know, we know that the college student is significantly different than what it is though maybe even when we were in undergrad and who is coming to college is significantly different. So, you know, I think that those are, those are the ways that they can just take the subtle steps to, um, you know, show love and show respect towards their fellow brother. And it's always great to have a retreat, at least once a semester, I would say. Yeah. Um, I tell my woman that just go. I'm like, they have their formal recruitment, like that, that week period where they really love on one another and then they don't do anything. And then they all want to hate kill each other by the end of it. I'm like, go just learn to have fun and love one another again, like, and to learn something new about someone in your chapter. Like that's the easiest thing that you can do. So that's my soapbox. Um, <laughs> I love it. That's what you're here for. I'm glad you got the chance. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Well, cool. Um, what a, what a, what a great uh, message. I, I think uh, in, in a, a time that, that I think we all needed is a little bit more love uh, in our chapters in our, in our life. Uh, so um, for our listeners out there, this is your sign. Tell your brothers, you love them today um, and tomorrow and the next day. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, don't, don't be afraid to show that. Cause that's, uh, I mean, that is, uh, what fraternity ultimately is about, right? It's, uh, it's, it's about us. It's about each other. So, um, Ryan, thank you so much for, for being here with us. Thank you for spending some time talking uh, with us today. Uh, and thank you for your, your efforts, uh, um, helping out contributing to, uh, to, to our national hazing prevention week. Um, very cool, a really great article. And we will uh, link to the article, um, in the show notes as well. So, um, listeners, if you'd like to go read, uh, Ryan's piece, uh, please do that. Um, Ryan, thanks for being here, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Again. I appreciate thank you so it. much. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Uh, great interview with Ryan. Uh, you really, really enjoyed that. Uh, kind of like we, t- we talked about in on the front end here, just like coming at uh, one of our core principles you know, from a kind of an, a new angle and really taking time to, to consider it. Um, 
really cool. I so Christopher, so Christopher and I actually both did. Or did you? Were you part of the institutes? Did you lead a track this year? I did. I was did. the community. I was the facilitator for our community service and philanthropy track. Okay, I thought so. I didn't want to assume, uh, but I should have known that. Anyway, um, so I I did the um, you know the chaplain and brotherhood track, and you know something that we talk about in that track was um, kind of exam taking time to examine the ritual and um, you know read it and understand kind of the, the connection to our values and. You know what does it instruct us to do when it comes to you know treating our our brothers correctly um, and with respect, as well as you know sh showing showing our values in public in the community, right? Um, you know, there's a we go through kind of the um, secret thoughts of a ritual um, you know piece that uh, that is featured in our website as well, um, and talk about like you know. If if everyone knew the you know the secrets of our ritual and, and uh, were able to to see all of that, what what would they expect from us? They would expect us to live by those values, right? Um, so you know, I think this conversation with Ryan is a good um, examination of like, you know, yes, we say love, honor, and truth, you know, um, it, but but like how how do we show that, especially for our brothers and. You know that I think it, it, it's it's funny too because like it's something that if you were a member of a chapter, you experienced this. Like by definition, you you have to have experienced some kind of like brotherly love. Otherwise, you know, how is your chapter existing if you don't like each other, right? Or you don't like respect each other, or like want to, um, you know, show each other that you all feel that 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 you belong and um, you know, all of that. Show that to your brothers, but like really taking time to, to sit and think about it and how do I actively show that to my brothers every day? Um, is really neat. And I, I felt it, you know, like I, I still feel it from, from my home chapter as well as now joining staff and meeting all these other alumni. Like there is that instant connection of like, you know, Hey, you are a, a member of my organization. I, I know that you subscribe to these same values and I'm going to preemptively show you, you that, that love and respect. Um, I just think that's a really neat idea. Yeah, and and again, you know, uh, Adam has referenced this, but you know, we don't typically um, record our bumpers the same day that we record, uh, you know, the interview. And so, in some ways, it gives us opportunities to kind of reflect on what we talked about and then uh, process it. And then now we kind of get to share that. And then similar to to what Adam is describing, you know, I had a I was recently watching. Um, the Hulu kind of docu series, Welcome to Wrexham, um, hmm. kind of documenting uh, Ryan Reynolds, the actor Ryan Reynolds, and and uh, the actor Rob McElhaney's uh, acquisition of the Wrexham Football Club in in Wales. Um, and there's an episode that is dedicated to kind of talking about their friendship. And you know, it was interesting kind of seeing the documentary to discover that you know Rob and Ryan had never. No, or sorry, did not know each other kind of uh, prior to kind of, I think, connecting first, like uh, through like social media, uh, funny enough. And then, um, you know, and of course, like we all kind of assume like, oh, everybody in Hollywood knows each other and yeah. they kind of are, are throwing water on that idea. Uh, but then they kind of have kind of this idea of like, hey, we what if we collectively purchased a, a you know, football team, an English football team? 
Yes, and this is and soccer for for all us uh, Americans here is what he's exactly not American exactly. <laughs> um, but anyway, they become fast friends, and so the episode is kind of exploring their friendship, like the dynamics of their friendship and how they they um, they gained a, a very close friendship in such a short period of time. Uh, mm-hmm. But then also kind of talking about the relationship between sons and fathers, between male friends kind of soccer or football as the uh, the vehicle for that of kind of like a common binding element. Um, mm-hmm. And then, all, you know, and, and in some ways kind of an opportunity for, um, you know, men to have space to be vulnerable, to kind of, mm-hmm. to show passion, to, to cry, to uh, experience deep emotion and, and yeah. kind of sports being a vehicle for that. Um you know, and because we don't in, in most spaces, you know, we kind of have to have, you know, uh, uh, you know, a stiff upper lip. We've got to, um, you know, carry the burdens of the world. But then, you know, sports or fraternity uh, mm-hmm. gives us the space to to let loose, to be yeah. to let our guard down uh, around, you know, close friends, um, you know, and men who care about each other. And so it was really uh, poignant to have experienced this or to have participated in this episode and then to go on and kind of hear, I think some of the language and some of the things that we talked about in the episode reflected back to me, uh, in this docu-series. So yeah. one, uh, giving a recommendation for people, uh, I really enjoyed, uh, the welcome to Rexham series and would, and would recommend it to, to folks who might be interested in that. But then two, I just thought it was really, uh, neat to kind of hear that, um, you know, and again, have it connect back to, to what we're talking about. Agreed. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's that's neat. Uh, would I be Rob or would I be Ryan? Would you be Rob or Ryan? I think I'm I'm uh, Rob. You're, you're Ryan. Maybe the other way around. That's a great question. I I I feel like in some ways we're probably both Rob. <laughs> mm. Mm. We're, we're, we're both Ryan. Neither of us are Rob. Yeah, that's uh, th- that's fair. We're just a couple of Ryans. Um, Christopher, do you want to buy a soccer team with me? Uh, I would have to come up with the money. Uh, I feel okay. like I'm, a, I'm several hundred million short, um, <laughs> but uh, I'll let you know if, uh, if I have some sort of magic windfall. Christopher, what's the best way to make two, $2 million? Uh, have 4 million. <laughs> yeah. Start with four. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so awesome article or awesome, awesome article and awesome interview. Um, really enjoyed meeting Ryan. Um, and, uh, yeah, just overall a, a very pleasant, uh, experience as, as all of our interviews are. Um, so, uh, Christopher, any other thoughts on the article before we jump into some plugs here? I think we can move the to interview. plugs. Okay. Um, well, so plugs, uh, we do have, uh, you know, the staff hiring, uh, uh spring deadline coming up, uh, and that is March 15th, 1st, March 1st. Um, it is March 1st that this deadline is coming up on. Um, that being said, uh, you know, we do, as we've mentioned, uh, we, uh, we take applications on a rolling basis. So, um, you know, if this isn't the right, the right time for you or you're, uh, you know, considering other options or you know, anything else, there's, there's, uh, definitely always time and always a place, uh, to, you know, accept applications, but that's when that consideration deadline, uh, for the standard process will be. Uh, moving on is that March first, um, and real quick, um, yeah. Well, one, if 
<laughs> this, since this is an audio medium, you missed on the opportunity of me like frantically holding up my fingers. Yeah, holding up a one. The, Thank the you, first and, and yeah. not the 15th. It is October 15th and March That's 1st. Those are our yep. two deadlines. Uh, so it's a, an easy mistake. But um, like Adam said, it's rolling basis. Submit your applications at any point. But this March 1st deadline will be for a June 1st, 2023 start date. Uh, yes. So if you are... Um, if you have not finalized your, if, if you're sorry, if you're a collegiate uh, member listening and you have not finalized your, or a young alumnus, and if you've not finalized your career plans, um, you know, this is an opportunity pretend, or potentially for you to uh, find a career, uh, you know, working for the fraternity, uh, at least in the short term. Uh, the leadership consultant program is traditionally a two year experience. Um, I like to uh, pitch it as a really great bridge. Uh, for folks who might be interested in going to uh, some graduate level program, perhaps you want to work in higher education, you want to go get your MBA. Uh, this is really great kind of bridge between those two. Um, you know, it gives you a little bit of professional experience without committing you to a long-term career. Uh, so you can, you know, take your experience and then uh, go back into your coursework, uh, which gives you good practical application. Um so I did also want to flag our most recent uh, bonus episode. Yeah. Uh, if you are someone who is interested or maybe you're an alumnus and you're like, hey, I think, you know, I would love to see a couple of our uh, chapter members, collegiate chapter members, you know, apply for this opportunity. What resources are out there to expose them to what it would be like? Uh, we just uh, recorded and released a, a brand new episode, uh, which is an interview with our 2018 consultant class, of which My Adam class. is a part. Um, and that is, uh, you know, I served as the MC for that. Adam, of course, is a part of that class, uh, but then, of course, kind of served as a, a co-facilitator for the episode in addition to uh, pulling double duty as a member of the 2018 class. Uh, but then we were also joined with a uh, former staff member, uh, Trey Nelson, uh, who is an initiate of our uh, Mu Row chapter at Northwestern State University, and uh, Gabe Castro, uh, who's an initiate of our Kappa Theta chapter at Jacksonville University. Um, so great, great, great uh, perspectives, I think, from that episode um, on anyone who might be interested in like, hey, I want to go work for the fraternity, but I don't want to work for the fraternity after my two years. All right. Well, cool. Gabe and Trey got you or have you covered in that regard because they yeah. didn't do that. Um, hey, I, I might be interested in working for the fraternity uh, after uh, being a leadership consultant. Great. Adam's got that perspective covered. So we, we tried to kind of cover our bases and have different perspectives um, while still kind of talking about how memorable and, and impactful the experience is. So I uh, highly Great. recommend that resource. Yeah. And, and, you know, even if you're not interested in, in working in a career in higher ed, um, you know, I even talked to, um, you know, a, a couple of collegiate members who were going to go be engineers, right? Um, you know, it, it is still relevant to that, you know, like it, it really is teaches you a lot of uh, your life skills uh, that, that are applicable to every field, right? Uh, public speaking, um, self-management, uh, you know, kind of that, uh, you know, I, problem identification and solution, right? Like that is what you're doing, um, you know, all day is you know, identifying problems that that a chapter might have, uh, you know, and then helping 
helping the officers solve those problems. Um, so you know, de- directly applicable to everything, and and I think looks great on on a resume. So you get some worldly experience traveling the country and um, get to have a little bit of fun while you do it. So definitely recommend uh, the experience to uh, any anybody who is uh, soon to be graduating or has recently graduated. Um, so the other big plug we have is Grand Chapter. Christopher, would you care to share with us some information about Grand Chapter that we are all very excited for? Yeah, so the 70th Grand Chapter, uh, yes. which it's an important milestone. It'll be a big event, uh, definitely uh, important to be there. So uh, please do uh, plan accordingly. Um, the 70th Grand Chapter will take place on June 28th through July 2nd. Uh, it'll be at the Marriott Harbor Beach Resort and Spa in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. So Fort Lauderdale. looking for the uh, the sunny beaches of uh, North Miami or Fort Lauderdale. Um, but we are going to be re- uh, releasing uh, information and registration for Grand Chapter very soon. It's not live as of the recording of this episode. However, uh, it is very likely that by the time that this episode releases or shortly thereafter, uh, registration will be live. So uh, bookmark sigmanu.org slash grand chapter. Uh, that will take you to the registration page where you can find more information out about uh, the upcoming grand chapter. Uh, but then also, if you have any questions, you can email those questions to GC, the letters GC at info at sigmanu.org. So abbreviation for grand chapter GC period info I N F O at sigmanu.org. Um, and those will go to the appropriate staff members, especially if you've got any questions on, you know, Hey, I'm a, I'm a grand officer. What do I do? I, you know, my alumni chapter wants to send me as a representative. What do I do? Hey, I'm a collegiate member, you know, um, who all is invited or who all supposed to come? You know, that could be a great question, a great space to find those answers, answers to those questions. There will be FAQs. There will be uh, more information that, that uh, is rolled out with uh, the launch of registration. Uh, so it's likely that any of those questions that I just asked will be answered uh, in brief uh, on the website. But if any uh, questions that you might have are not uh, directly available there, um, gc.info at sigmanu.org is the best place to find or to get answers to those questions. Yep. And as always, uh, any of those uh, contacts that we mentioned will be uh, featured in the episode notes as well. So, again, if you're driving and can't uh, write something down right now, uh, go ahead and check out the episode notes later and uh, you can find all that information. So. Um, awesome. Yeah, very excited to, to do Grand Chapter in person again, uh, you know, personally on, on, on my end. So, you know, I wasn't able to attend Grand Chapter as a collegiate member, um, was able to attend uh, you know, my first year on staff. First summer, we had the Grand Chapter in uh, Washington, D.C., uh, which was really cool, 68th, and then the, the, the postponed and then held virtual 69th Grand Chapter, um, you know, in 2021. Uh was uh was fun but uh you know lacked that that in-person um you know feel of it so very excited to to get back in person and do this uh fort lauderdale are we is it is it going to be frat lauderdale is it going to be fort fort fratterdale what like what what's the what what's the what are we calling it when we all descend on on uh, this lovely town in florida uh, well, hopefully, uh, 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 well respected and and uh, and esteemed Fort Lauderdale, <laughs> based, yes. based on the behavior of our members. Um, but for, I, I'm for, sure that 
Fort Fort Fraternity Dale. Yes, something like that. Um, but no, it's going to be a great time. Um, and, and for those of you who don't know, Grand Chapter is our legislative body. That is where we convene uh, to make changes to uh, the law of Sigma Nu Fraternity, um, as well as elect our uh, new Grand Officers and High Council uh, for the next biennium. Um, and so, you know, if you want to be a part of the process of, of affecting the future of the organization, uh you know, please be at Grand Chapter. Um, that's yes. where you do it. And biennial means two years, every two years. And now it's on the, the odd number of years, and that bothers me, even though I don't have a logical reason why it should, but it does. <laughs> well, now we are uh, in line with uh, uh, our interfraternal peers, Cap Alpha, who also has an odd-numbered years. Uh, Which also, in in, uh, in in 2069, we will have our, our 200th uh, anniversary uh, and, uh, and be able to do a grand chapter in that anniversary year. Yeah, and that way it's a it is a, a realignment uh, to yes. better align with our founding date. So yes. it works out in our favor. Love it. Um, all right, everyone. Well, uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, we, we really appreciate all of you guys uh, out there in, in podcast land that are, are listening to us. Um, it's been really neat, uh, you know, especially this last month uh, with College of Chapters, getting to you know, meet some of our listeners uh, in person and, and to hear uh, from some people uh, that, that, that are avid listeners out there. So that was, uh, that was really neat to hear um, that, that uh, we're kind of making a splash in that way. But, uh, but yeah, thank you all for, for listening, and we will talk to you next month. Who am I, sir? A fraternity man am I? A sigma, a new sir, and will be until I die. I'm rickety-hoop-dee-doo. What's the matter with sigma-new? Hallelujah, Terrica, who all together for sigma-new? Hey!